is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You see what's going on in our cities, most of which are majority-minority, all of which are run by Democrats, many of which are run by minorities who are Democrats. We've never seen violence like this. Ever. Murders, carjackings, rape, human beings brutalizing human beings. We've never seen anything like this in America. So I got to thinking what happened to the canard of systemically racist police? You don't hear about that anymore, do you? Systemically racist police. Systemically racist police departments. Now that America's Marxists have eviscerated our police forces, now that they've eviscerated our police forces, you see the consequences of their actions. Mayhem, anarchy, death. You watch this Mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C., or Lightweight in Chicago, or Bottoms in, names are unbelievable, in Atlanta and so forth. They don't have the foggiest idea how to get out of this. Because they are prisoners of American Marxism. Why are the school systems in these cities so terrible? It's not because of lack of funds. Why is there such significant crimes in these neighborhoods and criminality? It's not because of lack of funds or police, unless, of course, the city councils and the mayors don't want the police. It's because the Democrat Party is systemically racist. They talk in platitudes. They try to turn American against American. 
They pass endless programs, spend endless amounts of money, drive up the debt. They pass law after law after law. But fundamentally, the Democrat Party is systemically racist. And it's been systemically racist since its founding. You see, they don't really want to teach American history and slavery. Because if you teach slavery in the classroom, you have to teach about the role of the Democrat Party. We can't have that. If you teach history, real history, you have to teach the role of the Democrat Party in its alliance with the Ku Klux Klan, which I've talked about now for many years. If you taught real history in our classrooms, you'd have to talk about how the Democrat Party pushed for segregation for a century after the Civil War. You'd have to talk about how Democrats appointed to the Supreme Court, ruled in cases like Plessy versus Ferguson, or Korematsu. That would be real history. Not about white supremacy and the white dominant culture and Republicans and Jim Crow. All of this, racism and race baiting and racialism, These are products of a Democrat party. A power-hungry force. And then ask yourselves, in all these cities where the Democrats rule, these mayors are not Republicans. Their city council, they're not Republican. So what is it? They would not be able to do what they're doing and get where they get, but for the help of the American media. But for the help of the American media. And you know what? The American media are diabolical. Now, when I open up Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, I'm going to do a monologue that I hope you listen very carefully to. But in the meantime, I want to touch on something. Joseph Stalin was one of the biggest mass murderers in the history of mankind, in the history of humanity. He was embraced by the early American quote-unquote progressives. But he was also embraced by the New York Times. The New York Times, the gold standard for, for news. The New York Times, whose Walter Durante, who I've written about and I've talked to you about, was a propagandist for Stalin. On Stalin's payroll, Stalin got him girlfriends, one of whom he impregnated, got him the best food, made sure he had a limousine. For 12 years, Walter Durante reported for the New York Times in the news pages from Moscow. He was their Moscow correspondent. And even when the senior editors in New York were on to Walter Durante, they didn't stop him. They kept publishing his propaganda on behalf of Stalin. And when Stalin decided in 1932 to starve the Ukrainian peasants because they simply didn't want to go along with the nationalization of their farms and their land that they had owned for generations, Walter Durante's reported that it was just a bad harvest. 
when some of the information started to come out, no thanks to him, about what that Stalin was brutal. He would talk about this line that you've heard before, well, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. That's Durante. He got a Pulitzer Prize. The New York Times will not return the Pulitzer Prize. They say it doesn't belong to us. We can't return it. Less than 10 years later, the same New York Times was not only covering up the Holocaust, but was in many ways a mouthpiece for Hitler in the Third Reich. Something I only learned more recently from Professor Lauren left, who wrote about this in the tablet. They had a bureau chief in Berlin by the name of Guido Enderis. Not just a reporter, a bureau chief. And as Professor Leaf put it, as Adolf Hitler rose to power in Germany and then embarked on his program of world conquest and mass extermination, the New York Times Berlin bureau chief was busy slanting the news in Hitler's favor. All these decades this has been covered up. All these decades. So the New York Times early on was not only promoting the Third Reich through its bureau chief in Berlin. For most of the Holocaust it covered up the fact that Hitler was exterminating the European Jews. Even while British papers and other papers were reporting on it, Hitler didn't make any secret of it. Censorship. Stalin. Hitler. You listening to me, Jeremy Barr? You paying attention, pal? Cuba. Another mass murder. Fidel Castro. New York Times reporter Herbert Matthews. He was enthralled with Castro and he found his revolutionary efforts romantic. Herbert Matthews, writing for the New York Times, interviews Castro in a big article that's published February 24, 1957. Even though Castro was on his last legs, he had a couple dozen guerrilla fighters with him. He was on the run. He was in the mountains. Matthews, who was a useful idiot, spoke about Castro. And he wrote in part, The personality of Castro is overpowering. It was easy to see that his men adored him and also to see why he has caught the imagination of the youth of Cuba all over the island. That was a lie. Here was an educated, dedicated fanatic, a man of ideals, of courage, and of remarkable qualities of leadership. So it helped exaggerate Castro's influence and power. Castro would later brag, as Reuters points out, he only had 18 men at the time. But thanks to Matthews in the New York Times, he was able to build up propaganda and create the illusion of a real revolution. Stalin, Hitler, Castro, the New York Times, the gold standard for the American media. 
the gold standard that every single so-called reporter and journalist reads in the morning before they do anything else. That every Democrat politician reads in the morning before they do anything else. You cannot trust the New York Times. You cannot trust the American media. It's not we who are destroying the First Amendment. It is they. Every single one of these Marxist movements, they support. Every single one. And I'm talking about the American Marxist movement. The degrowth movement dressed up as a Green New Deal and climate change. Open borders dressed up as humanity. Racism. Louis Farrakhan dressed up as scholarship and critical race theory. They support it and promote it. The attack on the nuclear family, something Marx pushed very, very hard with all kinds of genders and this, that, and the other, and this transgender movement, like we need a transgender movement. They support that too. One of the reasons people are dying in the streets, one of the reasons there's so much tumult, is because we have an American media that do not hold the perpetrators to account, whether they're in the Democrat Party or whether they're in the streets. Instead, it's much easier to talk about white racism, inequality of capitalism, and on and on and on. They are the mouthpiece for the American Marxist movement, just as they were the mouthpiece for Stalin, the mouthpiece for Hitler, and the mouthpiece for Castro. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. funny how we talk about imperfections and systemic problems in this country, but it never applies to the media. It never applies to the Democrat Party. It never applies to these American Marxists, does it? But why don't we talk about the imperfections of the American media, led by the New York Times? Why don't we talk about the imperfections in systemic racism, even of the modern-day Democrat Party. The Republicans have absolutely no say in what's going on in Washington, D.C., the city, in New York, the city, in Atlanta, the city, in Minneapolis, the city, in Chicago, the city, 
in L.A., the city, in San Francisco, the city. And anybody who can get the hell out of any of these cities are trying to get the hell out as fast as they can. The number one job of any government is to protect the lives of its citizens. And the Democrats are good at blaming other people. They blame slavery. They blame guns. But they never blame themselves. Ever. Their schools are rotting. They are propaganda mills. Kids are graduating without the capacity to actually function when it comes to literacy, when it comes to mathematics. Yet we pour hundreds of billions of dollars into these schools. Really, it's just to wash through the schools so it goes right to the unions. No wonder the NEA and the AFT do do not want merit-based testing or uh, evaluations of their members. No wonder. Because it's a fraud and a farce. It's a fake. The cities are crumbling. In many parts of many cities, they're unlivable. And why is that? Did the Republicans do that? Is that Jim Crow? Is that a problem with drop boxes and voting? It's because Donald Trump was tweeting? We're so thoroughly propagandized and so thoroughly distracted by the American media. I've told you this before. The number two book on Amazon as I speak to you is a book trashing Donald Trump, written by two Washington Post reporters. People are being slaughtered in the streets. Massive amounts of drugs are coming over the border. Little girls are being raped as a result of Biden's policies on the border. Our schools have been turned into radical Marxist indoctrination mills. And the Washington Post reporters are writing about Donald Trump. Get my point? I'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. The only people who are keeping people down in our cities are Democrats. They're the only people keeping people down in our cities. They're the only people preventing people from getting a quality education in our cities. They're the only people preventing people from living out of harm's way in our inner cities. We've got now experiment after experiment in American Marxism going on in our cities. And the consequences are predictable. But the American media are all for it. This is part of the Democrat Party, so they're all for it, of course. What should really be going on, if people want to rise up in the inner cities, they should be rising up against the Democrat Party. The iron fist that controls everything in these cities. That's right, the party of slavery. Are we teaching that in the inner cities, Mr. Producer? 
Are we teaching the history of the Democrat Party in the inner cities? No, we're not. So they don't really want to teach history, the American Marxists. They want propaganda. If we taught real history, real history, in our classrooms, it might have a real impact on promoting liberty. Real liberty. But the Democrat Party is systemically racist. We're told that minorities can be systemically racist. Well, I think we've seen that too then, haven't we? With mayors and city councils. Who apparently hate their own people. I guess they're systemically racist too. I'm just using the words that they use and applying them to them. That's the... That's the logic, right? So I was on Hannity last night, and I really wasn't sure what we were going to talk about, but Sean is always very generous and says, you talk about what you want to talk about. So I was there, and I was listening to his program while I was waiting my turn, thinking about things. And this is what I said. Cut one, go. I'm going to tell you what's going on. I was part of the Reagan revolution. I was part of the Tea Party movement. I was part of the Trump revolution. There is a massive movement afoot. Uh, It's not under the radar. People just aren't looking at it. Uh, The silent majority is not going to be silent anymore. The American people are furious with what's happening to their country. And by American people, I mean all American people who love this country, regardless of their color, their religion, their background. Red-blooded Americans, they are sick and tired of what they've seen in the first six months of this administration. They don't like the way they're being treated by the elites in the media. They don't like being looked down upon by these phony professors who they bring on TV who trash them. Uh, They are disgusted with the teachers' unions. Parents all over this country can't believe what's happened to elementary schools and secondary schools. Parents go broke to send their kids to college, and now they're coming home on Thanksgiving or other days, and they don't know what's happened to them. We are paying for our own demise with tenured Marxist professors and administrators for schools that are turning on our founding and our history. Americans love their history. Americans love their history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Americans are sent all over the world to fight wars for people who do not look like them. America's borders are wide open. We have a president of the United States who is violating our immigration laws, who signs executive orders like he's Benito Mussolini. We're sick and tired of hearing from San Francisco Nancy Pelosi and New York City uh, Chuck Schumer what they intend to do to our court system. Those courts belong to us. Attacking separation of powers and our constitutional construct. We're tired of the way the family is trashed in this country. The family. We're tired of the way private property rights are treated in this country. We're tired of a lot of things going on in this country. Now, we, the people, we are peaceful. You won't find us running around with Molotov cocktails. You won't find us attacking cops. We defend the cops. You won't find us burning cities and so forth and so on. We're not mostly peaceful. We're 100 percent peaceful. But we are pissed off. And we have had enough. And we're done talking about it. The idea that a book like this sells 400,000 copies in one week and is well on the way to a half a million, I've been in these movements before. I saw what happened with liberty and tyranny in the Tea Party movement. 
We know our history. We are a great people. And we have people in this country who haven't contributed a damn thing to it. And not a damn thing to it. Trying to tear it down and redistribute wealth. They sound like they're soapbox Marxists going on and on about we don't provide this, we don't provide that, and Bernie Sanders is going to provide it, and AOC is going to provide it. They don't know a damn thing about this country. They use the the benefits of capitalism to attack capitalism. They use liberty to attack liberty. They use the Constitution to attack the Constitution. I've been around a long time, and I'll be damned if I'm going to sit still for this. And they don't understand the American people. The American people are not going to roll over and play dead. The American people are going to speak out. And let me tell you what's going to happen in 2022 with the mansion types and the others who pretend to be moderates, who play footsies with these American Marxists, you're going to get blown out. In fact, every damn one of you is going to get blown out. So kiss your career goodbye. You may have power now. You may be trying to force your will on the American people now, but it will not last. That's what's going on in this country. I feel it, and I know it. And now I'm live, and I do feel it. And I know it. I do feel it and I know it. I mean, here's a perfect example. This reprobate, low IQ buffoon, AOC, I can think of some other letters. Uh, she is, uh, New York Post editorial board, as reported by Right Scoop, reports the Democrats on the House Appropriation Committee have just cut $4 billion from ICE's budget. And the portion they cut deals with enforcement and removal. That is, Democrats abolish ICE crowd is running the show on the House Appropriations Committee, it reported, which just okayed plans to slash the budget for enforcement and removal operations, the key border control portion of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The plan also orders ERO to focus on handling on handing illegal immigrants over to nonprofit-run shelters rather than runs run by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The overall ICE budget would drop slightly, from $7.97 billion it received last year. Uh, but the ERO faces a cut from $4.1 billion to $3.79 billion, less than the Biden administration requested, despite the flood of migrants, which is setting a new record every month. Now, I want to ask, again, people in our inner cities, if you have aliens, most of whom are dirt poor, flooding into our country, Unskilled or non-skilled? What does that do to the population in America who is low-skilled or unskilled? Who are American citizens? Whose ancestors have been here for generations? Some by choice, some by slavery. What does it do to that community? Do you notice we never discuss this? We never discuss the history of the Democrat Party in classrooms or in the media. We never discuss the systemic racism of the Democrat Party, how it keeps an iron fist control of our inner cities and rewards the teachers' unions and all the rest and undermines their own police forces to the detriment of the population. We never discuss this. We never discuss what the impact is of what will be over 2 million illegal aliens coming into the country, the overwhelming majority of whom are dirt poor and unskilled. 
What does that do to school systems in the inner city? What does that do to uh, social services in the inner cities? What does that do to various communities? It's never discussed because it's a disaster. It's a disaster. All we talk about is, well, these people are being moved into the, you know, other areas of the country. Really, do tell. And they don't tell. Most gather in the cities. Most gather in the cities. What's the impact on the cities? Oh, we're not going to talk about it. What's the impact on the strain of services, police services, health care services? Oh, we're not going to talk about that. Why? Because there's an alliance, you see, between these, these immigration front groups, that is, uh, the, the radicals in that movement, and the radicals in the, in the race movement intersectionality so they're allies in the battle excuse me against the system now here's the thing most people in the street aren't thinking this way allies in the battle against the system what the hell is that what the hell is that most people don't think that way they don't have any idea what's going on they're focused on trying to get by trying to get through one day at a time trying to be safe in a crime-infested area, trying to get their kids educated in crime-infested schools filled with unqualified so-called teachers. I'm just calling it as I see it. It's never discussed. It's always, the paradigm is always white versus everybody else, or everybody else versus white, but that's not the truth. It's not the truth at all. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, there is some good news. Sometimes you think you're alone. Sometimes you think that People are just giving up. The word is getting up. Remember I told you I was hoping American Marxism would be the equivalent, to some extent, of a Thomas Paine pamphlet like the American Crisis. That the written word is crucial now since we have to get around big media and big tech. And since they control and own most of television media, all of network media. By this time, well, I'll be honest with you, the numbers I'm seeing now, this book has already exceeded half a million in sales. Half a million in all platforms. About 400 and some thousand hardcover and then ebook and audio. Over half a million in less than two weeks. The word is spreading. And you're spreading it. And as I said the other day, that's without any positive support or support of any kind from a single network television show. 
from a single article in the New York Times or the Washington Post. Of course, they all despise me and you, so I'm not expecting anything, but I'm just making a point. Without any, without any links from me on Facebook or Twitter, without any bulk purchases, this is all bottom-up. This is all you, patriots, Levinites. But I want you to think about it. And you patriots are from all walks of life, all races, all religions, all backgrounds, all professions. The number of audio sales is really remarkable. Many of those people are truck drivers and Lyft drivers and Uber drivers and taxi drivers. Many of them. Many of the people getting this book and reading because we see the comments on Amazon. Our construction workers and electricians and plumbers. And doctors and lawyers. Teachers. People whose ancestors can be traced back several generations in this company and newly minted immigrants. As diverse as it gets. Democrats and Republicans. Over half a million copies already? The word is spreading. The word is spreading. This is what I meant last night on Hannity's show. And that's why I played it. It's not that you're under the radar. It's that they're pretending you don't exist. They're pretending I don't exist. They're pretending this book doesn't exist. Guess what? That's a very stupid strategy on their part. You've had enough of the six months of the Biden presidency. You've had enough of these clowns, AOC, and the other, and the other buffoons. You've had enough of the turmoil in the cities, the turmoil on our border. You've had enough of the of the smearing of our founding fathers, pulling down statues, burning books, censuring people, attacks on the Bill of Rights, two forms of justice, one on January 6th and the other all through the riots in the summer. You've had enough. You want to know more. You read. You want action. American Marxism. Of course they're going to pretend it doesn't exist. I don't care. This is for you. I'm communicating to people who love this country and care about this country. Who want to change course in this country. Who care about what's happening to our public schools and our universities. And the war on our economic system and energy and all the rest of it. It's like they're going right down the line trying to burn down everything that makes this a successful society. And if you listen to them and only listen, it's depressing It's negative. It's vile. They don't want to teach real history. They want to destroy us. Now, I want to get into some other issues, but I want to ask you a question. What do we do about Antifa and Black Lives Matter and rioters? What should we do as citizens? We don't write the laws. We can't can't enforce criminal statutes. That's the job of prosecutors. So what do we do about it? And what do we do? in law enforcement when you're not backed by your mayors you're not backed by your cities what do we do I want to address that when we come back and then we'll move on to some other very very important issues 
Remember, it's Friday, but I keep the foot on the gas pedal. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So what do we do? Citizens that don't have the power to make laws, don't have the power to arrest, don't have the power to prosecute. What do we do with Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and rioters? Well, we're limited. You know, there's the obvious things, you know, vote and so forth. I'm not talking about that. What do we do? As I point out in American Marxism, the failure of the federal government to unleash criminal investigations and bring charges against Antifa and Black Lives Matter and other domestic terrorist organizations for the mayhem they have unleashed and the billions of dollars in damage they have caused in American communities is scandalous. Moreover, the disparate treatment of individuals by federal law enforcement based on their political beliefs is shocking. And yet we have honorable governors who can act to protect their citizens, including strengthening their laws against such violence and rioters. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis has instituted measures that increase penalties for existing crimes committed during a violent assembly. and protects the community's law enforcement officers and victims of these types of acts. The bill also creates specific crimes for mob intimidation and cyber intimidation to ensure that Florida will not be a welcoming place for those wishing to impose their will on innocent citizens and law enforcement by way of mob mentality. Crimes of mob intimidation and cyber intimidation. Both will become first-degree misdemeanors. Now, governors and state legislators across the country must be pressured to adopt similar laws. But citizens need not wait for government at all levels to act. This is from American Marxism. There are private civil lawsuits that can be filed against these organizations and individual rioters, depending on each state's statutes, that strike at the finances of these groups and these individuals and hopefully help compensate victims for their damages. Remember, we don't have the power to create or enforce criminal laws, but we do have power in the civil system. Possible causes of action might include intentional infliction of emotional distress, tortious interference with contracts, trespass to land and chattels, and conversion of property. In other words, you can attack them financially, the way Reagan attacked the Soviet Union. You can destroy them financially. State and federal civil RICO lawsuits are possibilities in the most extreme cases, especially with the same organization showing up at the scene of violent riots over and over and over again. You can also ask the IRS to review or investigate financial issues related to organizations by filing complaints. And you can target Black Lives Matter. 
You can find articles in newspapers. It's that, that simple. Online sources, etc. For example, questions have already been raised about BLM's interlocking operations and transparency. Has anybody filed complaints with the Internal Revenue Service? The book has a link to the IRS and the forms that you can do, use to do that. You can do it as an individual. Many of you can do it. You can do it as part of an organization. doesn't much matter. Attach the articles. If you happen to see the license tag of a rider fleeing or a violent scene in a vehicle, report the tag number to your local police department. Your eyes, ears, and video from your cell phones, they're not the only ones with cell phones, are important crime-fighting tools. But for those of you who have had your businesses destroyed or harmed, people stealing stuff, those of you who've been attacked personally, if you have prosecutors who will not prosecute, then you bring civil actions. I won't repeat it. You can look at page 274 of the book. Now, with respect to law enforcement, again, I can only touch on these things. I can't read the whole book in the air. First of all, you wouldn't want me to. And secondly, it's in the book. Law enforcement's under attack by Antifa, BLM, other Marxist anarchist groups, violent criminals, democratic politicians, the media, etc., Indeed, since the appearance of Black Lives Matter and its sympathetic media coverage, positive view of law enforcement has decreased, particularly among minorities. Although police are now routinely accused in the media of racist targeting of African Americans and other minorities, the evidence simply does not support these charges. I might add, we're hearing less of that the last few weeks as violence is going up. 81% of black Americans want to retain the local police presence in their communities, with many wanting an increased presence. Did you know that? Nonetheless, as a consequence of this war on law enforcement, violent crime across America is surging, particularly in our major cities. And law-abiding citizens are paying a steep personal price. Yet rather than standing up to the mob and their facilitators and appeasers, the war on law enforcement intensifies. There are so-called reform efforts underway that are actually intended to further denude police officers and police departments of their ability to protect the citizenry, including legal initiatives that would expose officers to personal harm and financial bankruptcy. Among other things, congressional Democrats and their radical surrogates have been pushing to essentially eliminate qualified immunity and subject officers to endless lawsuits, lower the bar for criminal prosecution of officers, Promote local and state investigations of officers. Keep a federal database on all officers. Lower the legal standard for determining the justified use of force from reasonable to necessary. And limit the transfer of military-style equipment, their word, not mine, to police forces. Now remember, I turned this in over three months ago. The result of all this across the nation, police recruitment and retention have plummeted. The thin blue line is breaking. This civil society is descending into chaos. Therefore, in addition to supporting police officers and police departments in any way we can, including speaking out for them, they need our support in specific ways. I have one suggestion in addition to many you may have as well. 
If state law permits, there is no reason why police officers should not bring civil lawsuits against individuals who physically assault them, and even the organizations behind the violent riots that result in them being assaulted or injured, such as by Antifa and BLM. There are a number of factors that will have to be considered, including the ability to identify the individuals and the group associations, as well as causation. But officers and their unions should consult with good lawyers to review the law and the facts. We, the people, civilians, we can help law enforcement by providing financial assistance specifically directed to the legal representation of police officers who bring these lawsuits by contacting your local law enforcement agency, your local police benevolent association, the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund, and I give links and so forth, the National Association of Police Organizations, the Fraternal Order of Police, and other such groups. The point is, we can directly support, through small contributions, but large numbers of us, Civil lawsuit after civil lawsuit after civil lawsuit brought by police officer after police officer after police officer against these organizations and specifically individuals who assault them. We must begin to use the legal system and their strategies against them. Where appropriate, we must become litigious. You heard me right. Where appropriate, we must overwhelm their system. They run the schools. We need to file the FOIA requests about everything and anything. They run the colleges and universities. We need to delve into how they choose their professors and confer tenure on them. And we need to protect the people who protect us. As I said, there's much we can do And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg. I was very glad to see the other day that the the company that owns the Keystone XL pipeline, or what was the Keystone XL pipeline, brought a $15 billion lawsuit against the federal government for for interfering with uh, its business, for interfering with a number of its contracts, and for doing severe damage to the company. There needs to be more of this. We need to protect our private property rights. We need to drag the government, the teachers' unions, and the domestic terrorists in the court. We need to overwhelm the system when it applies to them. Again, those of you who have been listening, you know this is just the tip of the iceberg. And we've talked about a variety of areas and a variety of things we can do. I'm hopeful that when you're out this weekend, if you're shopping at Costco or Walmart or Target, if you're at Barnes & Noble, all these great stores, Books a Million, BJ's, Sam's, an independent bookstore, or if you want to order on Amazon.com as we speak and have the book delivered to you or delivered to a friend or a family member, that you will order your books this weekend. Become part of a movement to defend our country. Become familiar with these issues, not just through TV, but become seriously familiar with these issues. 
And I think it will inspirit you. I think it will motivate you. And there are millions of us. Millions and millions of us. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to demonstrate to you how somebody who has an enormously low IQ winds up on TV talking stupid and spreading stupidity. Her name is Anna Navarro, and she's on this show that's filled with yentes called The View. Now, of course, The View discriminates because there's not a single male on the panel, all women. But that's okay. That's allowed. So it's a, it's a real crap show to begin with. But listen to this. Anna Navarro. Cut seven. Go. Look, I think we as a country have got to come to terms with the fact that this is now a, uh, an epidemic in America. Not a pandemic, because it's not have it happening all over the world. No, it's not happening all over the world. No, no, no. The Middle East, parts of Africa, Central and South America... See, low IQ morons like this, on the one hand, they say people are coming to come into the country, our country, because of all the crime in Central and South America, and the crime in, in various states or countries in Africa and the Middle East and so forth. And no, 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 this is an American problem only, you see, because the communist Chinese, they're rounding up Uyghurs and other people they don't like, murdering them, putting them in concentration camps. But America sucks in every respect. So this is a... An American problem, only an American problem. I would say it's this. It's a Democrat Party problem. They have created this situation. They won't prosecute criminals. They won't throw them in prison. They have bail reform. They have liberal judges. They have bought and paid for prosecutors. This dim bulb, she won't get into any of it. She just wants to trash America. America. America sucks. Well, how come there's not this kind of crime in all of America? Can you explain that to me? Go ahead. Very much of an American problem. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Why am I even listening to you? Then we have this Sonny Halston, who lives like a multimillionaire, I guess, in one of these big, lavish homes and in a mostly white neighborhood where they live on five, ten acres apiece. But she's down with the revolution. She knows the people. That's what I said. This, this show, The View, is... Uh, it's, it's really a puke operation. Cut six, go. I'm reading an incredible book uh, called The Second by Professor Carol Anderson. And she describes that the constitutional, um, the Second Amendment really um, was, uh, r- the right to bear arms was designed to protect slavery, right? Because I, I, I don't know who this professor is, and maybe you ought to expand your library. But that's bull crap. Absolute crap. And let me suggest, Sonny, because you claim to be a lawyer, that you look at the original arguments. Because the Bill of Rights, of course, were adopted after the Constitution was adopted. And the Second Amendment had nothing to do with promoting or defending slavery. Go ahead. Wanted our founding fathers and others, they wanted to be able to empower a local militia group to basically put down slave results. No, that's not why they. 
it's just unbelievable. The amount of lies, these tenured professors, their mouthpieces in the media, it's just unbelievable. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, the Electoral College was put in place because of slavery. The Second Amendment was put in place because of slavery. Do you know all this? The filibuster is practiced because of slavery. The one document that protects the individual, the one document that has been used by minorities throughout our history to insist on equal rights, to insist on being treated like human beings, they want you to believe that so much of it was created because of slavery. Well, that's a funny way of putting it, isn't it? All this talk about slavery is not in the Constitution, except one part which says that slave will not be, import, will not be imported into the United States, I believe, any, uh, beyond 1820. Because the British, who abolished slavery for themselves, kept bringing slaves into the United States. But that aside, so what a dimwit like Sonny Bulb, excuse me, Sonny Houston, Houston, whatever, does is she's very selective about what she reads. She doesn't read original documents. She doesn't read original debate information. So now if you support the Second Amendment, it's because you support the remnants of slavery. The Electoral College, the remnants of slavery. The filibuster, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how this works? No, it's pathetic. Go ahead. And protect plantation owners. And so because of... So you see, ladies and gentlemen, the North, which was much larger in population than the South, and the Northern states, they adopted the Second Amendment to protect plantation owners. All those plantation owners in Pennsylvania and New England. All those plantation owners, right? How stupid is this? Go ahead. The origins of the Second Amendment. And because of the NRA, I think we're seeing this proliferation of guns and gun ownership. But I will say that... It's not because of the NRA. The NRA has nothing to do with it. It's people who want to protect themselves. Criminals don't go into gun shops, fill out the federal forms, run it through the FBI database, and then walk out with guns, and then start murdering people. It's not how it works. The View, dim-witted Yentas. I'll be right back. You're listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. I'm serious, why are there only women on The View? Isn't that discrimination? Why are there only women on The View? I'm quite serious. What's that all about? I don't watch this crap show, but why aren't there? Why are there only women on The View? Is that okay? What about men? There's only birthing people surrounding that table. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? What about non-birthing people? Okay, what about transgendering people? Why aren't they on the view? I'm quite serious about this. 
These people keep promoting these various agendas, and so I have a question. Why aren't there transgender people on The View? Why isn't there one seat for a transgender person? Why isn't there one seat on The View for a transgender person? Permanent seat. Why isn't there a permanent seat on The View for an Asian person? Now, I don't watch it. Maybe there is. But if there's not, why isn't there? Aren't there five of them? Something like that? However many number. Whatever the number. However many. You get my point. How many, how many transgender people are on The View? None that I'm aware of. How many Asian Americans are on The View? Maybe there's one, but I'm not aware of any. How many men are on The View? None. Well, it seems to me that it's a very bigoted operation. The view. A lot of people have a view. So if things are going to change with the times, if things are going to change with the culture, how come the view hasn't changed? How come they haven't updated themselves? There's five women sitting around, yakking with each other. Wow, that's compelling. But my point is, why five women? That's not representative of the American people. Isn't that the issue? Ask Joe Biden, he'll tell you. And I, there's a bit of ideological purity among the view, too, as I understand it. Every now and then they'll have one seat for Meghan McCain or somebody like that. Who they all gang up on because, you know, that's the nature of the uh, left. But that said, why isn't the view representative of America? And why do we tolerate that? It's a throwback. It's a throwback. Why is it that the left always wants to segregate? Whether it's Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. Whether it's the view. What's with that? Now, the, uh, the Democrats, the American Marxists, they're very much into uh, controlling you. Whether it's banning things or imposing things. Which, 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 either way, that's what they believe in. So they dug up Valerie Jarrett. He's probably making a fortune, you know, doing something, spewing hate and Marxism. They dig, uh, found her, Valerie Jarrett, on MSLSD. She's on there today. What a lineup they have there over at MSLSD. It's even a bigger freak show than CNN, although, I mean, it's close. And they want to know if she favors mandating vaccines. Now, why do we care if Valerie Jarrett supports mandating vaccines? If she had her way, she'd be mandating that everybody vote Democrat. That she's all for it, so it's important that we hear from her. Cut 10, go. I'm all for mandating it. But I know here in this country it's tough to mandate things, but I think what we can do, as Dr. Shaw said, is say, look, if you want the independents to make your own decision, fine, but we're not going to let you come to major sporting events or, or schools. And you've seen many of the universities are now requiring vaccines when students come back on campus. And so we're balancing our rights of freedom with public health. And we don't need your help on balancing anything because you're out of balance. You're out of balance. You're unfair and unbalanced. Valerie Jarrett, that's who we all turn to when we want to know how do we balance freedom with vaccines. Any other things you want to mandate, Valerie? What else do you want to mandate? 
The world of Valerie, she should be on The View. You know, just to keep up the, uh, the all-women feature, The View. And so she favors the mandate. And that is uh, MSNBC today. Is that news? No, this is piling on. This is propaganda. It's to push an agenda. I want to tell you something. They're trying to create the impression that it's all these Trump people who won't take vaccines. They're all so backwards, these white rubes, particularly in the rural areas. Now, if the media were really doing their job, and of course they won't, because they view their job as sinking the nation. They would talk to some of the people who run, one of my friends does, an agency in which individuals they hire are caretakers for elderly and and sick people and so forth and some of the most fantastic caregivers, I should say, caregivers are minorities and particularly minority women. They make up the majority in some areas of of caregivers, many communities. And they help the elderly, they help the infirm, they help all kinds of people. And he told me that the greatest resistance to getting the vaccine is in that community. And he works with that community every single day. That the average percentage in the state in which he works of health caregivers, you know, who care for people in their homes and so forth, is 10%. And the vast majority of these individuals are minorities. Have you heard that, Mr. Producer? Well, most people have not. Most people are unaware of this. So it's not just Trump supporters, the rubes in the rural areas. And notice, they would never call their own people rubes in the urban areas. They would never call their own base and supporters all the names they call other citizens in this country. It's disgusting. How about we stop calling people rubes? That would be nice. So there's a lot of resistance in taking the vaccine in communities of color. A lot of it. But they can't blame that on Donald Trump. They can't blame that on white supremacy. They can't blame that on the white dominant society. You know, you get it. So they create their own narrative. They create pseudo-events and pseudo-news. Propaganda. Like Anna, what's what's her face? She doesn't... Anna, 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 you there, Anna? Anna, she's so smart, so important, so profound. She's everywhere, everywhere with Anna. Just shows you how crappy so much TV has become. Anna Navarro? My Lord. She's not good enough to be on airport radar or sonograms as far as I'm concerned. She's an idiot. Maybe she's a rube. You think she's a rube, Mr. Producer? I'll be right back. John, Cincinnati, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. John, how are you, sir? Mark Levin, the father I never had, sir. Oh, wow. Thank you. I wanted to... Yes, sir. I do look up to you as a father figure. I know we've never met, but I truly mean that. Uh, Thank long you. story, 
over why I feel that way. But I wanted to ask you a question about the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, from my understanding, after the Boston Tea Party, when the British soldiers started quartering people in people's houses, that when the founders were debating over what should be in the Constitution, they that was one of the motivating factors for why they wanted the, sec- the Second Amendment protections for people because of the things the British were doing during the uh, Revolutionary War period, putting soldiers in people's houses and excessive taxation and, and using these soldiers in people's houses to spy on the colonists for the British crown. Is, is there any truth to that? There's a lot of truth to that. And in addition to that, they didn't trust big government. That's why they wanted the states to have the ability to have a militia. They were creating this brand new national government. They created it. And they wanted to make sure the states uh, retained power. And so people don't want to hear this, but it's true. It had nothing to do with slavery and plantations and so forth and so on. As I said, the North had many more people. The North had a lot more power even at the Constitutional Convention and after the Constitutional Convention in the, uh, in the first Congress. Uh, but this is this is the effort to destroy this country and to undermine all of our uh, all of our liberties. Now, when you look at people who are uh, who are who are suppressed, real people, not oh, I don't have a voting box near my you know, my house to vote. Wow, suppression! Now you look at real suppression, whether it's communist China. Uh, whether it is the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, whether it's communist Cuba, or wherever. Everybody's disarmed. You can't defend yourselves, and you can't overthrow those regimes. You look back in history, the Warsaw Ghetto. They cobbled together whatever weapons they could get. Imagine what they would have been able to do if they had serious weapons. And so, really, the purpose in disarming the population is empowering the central government. It's not that we're going to rise up and use our weapons. We're not the ones killing people. Killers are killing people. Criminals are killing people. And many of them are walking right through the justice system as if it doesn't even exist. It would be nice once in a while if if frauds like The View and others would actually talk about what's going on in our cities. Not keep waving these shiny objects. What's going on in these cities? Why is there so much crime? Poverty. No, it's not poverty. We've had many, many people who are poor in this country before, including in these communities. We haven't had murder like this before. What's going on? Well, when you attack the police, when you undermine the cops, when you don't support the civil society... When you say this country is not worth defending, when you say this country is a fraudulent country, what the hell do you expect is going to happen? So the Second Amendment now was all about slavery. The Second Amendment had nothing to do with slavery. Anyway, John, don't hang up. I want to make sure you get a signed copy of uh, American Marxism. And I want to thank you for your very kind comments and your call. Let's make sure we we don't lose any of these wonderful callers as... uh, as we finish our talk with them. Jackie, Knoxville, Tennessee, XM Satellite. Jackie, how are you? I'm fine, Mark. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you. I'm 
I have been um, listening to your book on the on the uh, on tape when I would travel. Thank you. And you know, I find it most informative. And I have added you to my my uh, conversation when I when I meet people. Um, just during my day or whatever, I was in the habit of talking to them about MAGA and uh, President Trump, and so I've. I've added you to uh, to the list. Well, thank you. And I <laughs> and I and you get funny and looks. I ask now if <laughs> no, actually, um, I was talking to someone today um, in in the store, and uh, she had said a couple of things, and I saw a great opportunity just to ask her if she had heard about mm-hmm. American Marxism, and she said absolutely, she she uh, had. And that she couldn't talk to me about it because she wanted a job tomorrow. Oh, see. <laughs> so, so, so anyway. So tell us about your maid before we run out of time. Okay, really, really quick. You had you had mentioned that uh, the people that are coming over here from other countries, whether they're legal or they're not, you know, they they uh, are not thinking about. All of these um, aspects of the, you know, the communism and so forth, they they may be fleeing communism. And um, actually, uh, where my maid was concerned, um, you know, I have this lady come over once in a while, and uh, she's been coming uh, for years, and I had heard on One American News, I don't know if I can mention that or not. No, but we're running out of uh, time, anyway, so uh, I don't want to cut you off. Yes. Okay, really, really quick. Then uh, I said I had heard that we, you know, that the coyotes were up here uh, in this area, and uh, surprised that she said yes, they are, and you know, and uh, um, indicated that you know she knew because they keep an eye on her. Mm-hmm. And I was really well. They, in essence, she's an indentured servant because uh, they basically shake these people down who are extremely poor. Uh, for money. It's like the mob. And so we basically have now, we are funding, we are supporting uh, these coyotes from south of the border who are making a fortune, who are part of these drug cartels too, part of these uh, kidnapping operations as well. And so your maid and others have to continue to pay these, these coyotes who have also settled in the United States. And this is becoming a massive problem And, of course, Joe Biden doesn't care. His head of the DHS claims that the border is secure. And the question is, uh, in the next election, are we going to put up with this? Are we going to put up with this? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. There's a couple of off-year elections this year, important ones, including in Virginia, my state. And there's a Republican who's been nominated by the name of Glenn Youngkin. And he uh, was a businessman, 
He spent 25 years at the private equity firm, the Carlyle Group. Um, I've been watching his commercials. And so far, what I've learned about Republican Glenn Youngkin, and remember, he's running against Terry McAuliffe, who is a disaster. So I want Youngkin to win. I don't know him. But so far, what I know is he likes to play basketball. He is against critical race theory. That's good. He will not sign the National Rifle Association form on exactly where he stands on the Second Amendment. And he's spending an enormous amount of money. Now, I want to make this statement to try and be helpful to Mr. Youngkin. Mr. Youngkin, it's not enough. It's not enough to play it safe. It's not enough to try and walk down the center. It's not going to get you elected. This isn't, you're not Larry Hogan. And if you want to run a Larry Hogan campaign, you're going to lose. Just some friendly advice. You need to have four or five significant issues that are important to the people of Virginia based on serious principles. Because so many of us you don't know anything about you. And this isn't Maryland. Virginia's bad enough, but it's not Maryland yet. There's a lot of conservatives in the state. Now, I understand what you and your brain trust of other non-political types are thinking. We've got to get the suburbs. We've got to reach out to Northern Virginia. We don't win Northern Virginia. We can't win. I got it. But that doesn't mean you can't be more substantive and stand on some principles. So I'm going to vote for you. Now, keep in mind, folks, I would vote for an orange juice can to defeat Terry McAuliffe. He is a sleazeball extraordinaire. You look up the word sleaze in the dictionary, there'll be a picture of Terry McAuliffe. In the most recent version, probably without his clothes on. But nonetheless, if you want to encourage people to really turn out in numbers and so forth, you have to give them a reason to, not just a reason to vote against something, but a reason to vote for something. So the fact that you've been relatively ambiguous on the Second Amendment, the fact that as best as I can tell so far, you've taken a strong position on critical race theory, which isn't exactly the most courageous thing to do. You don't need people advising you on what to think. Strategies, yes. Substance, no. So you're going to need to step up your game. Or you're going to lose. You got my vote. And we invited Mr. Youngkin on the show about a month ago, gave two different dates. There was a conflict. He had various events. We reached out to them. They've never reached out to us. Now, I don't say this from an ego perspective, but that's like the canary in the cave to me. Because they're afraid there'll be a Washington Post article. Oh my God, he, he was on this guy Levin show. It's not a good sign. We endorse a lot of candidates and a lot of them win. Including in Virginia. Now there are fantastic candidates running in Virginia as well. The candidate for Attorney General and the candidate for Lieutenant Governor. We will reach out to them and 
and bring both of them onto the program. And we'll not be reaching out to Mr. Youngkin again. If his campaign wants to come on, they can reach out to us. This was a telltale sign with Romney. Of course, we endorsed Romney. We wanted him to beat uh, Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama. But Romney wouldn't come on the show. Because he's a rhino. And he doesn't want to answer any questions. And truth is, those of you who have listened to this show, I don't brutalize guests on this show. I'm not looking to embarrass them or make points. I simply draw out information from them so you can better understand what they stand for and what they want to do. And so I would encourage Mr. Youngkin to be a little bit more substantive, a little bit more specific. I know he likes basketball. Got it. I'm not against basketball. Great. Uh, But where do you stand on the Second Amendment, actually? Specifically. That's a question you have to be prepared to answer if you're going to run for governor of any state. Particularly a state like this that has so many gun owners. Now the way to do this, may I give some advice, not just to Mr. Youngkin, but others. There are ways to appeal to people who may not normally vote Republican or have stepped out a few times and stayed out of the election and so forth. Find out what issues are important to them. You can do this without abandoning your principles. Just add them to the things you're going to run on. There are ways to do this without running away from your base or being so ambiguous it just becomes complicated. Now for the Washington Combos and the other corrupt newspapers and media outlets, I want to be abundantly clear. Your candidate, Terry McAuliffe, is a sleazeball. Doug Wilder, the former governor of Virginia, was elected in 1990. He's an older gentleman now, but he's, he's very much a class act. He's sort of a moderate Democrat. He was the first black man elected governor in uh, modern times, not just in Virginia. And he has no stomach for uh, Terry McAuliffe, and he's right. And he's pointed out that Terry McAuliffe <clears throat> said of the current governor, the current attorney general, the current lieutenant governor, that they shall all resign. Of course, they didn't. And they all moved hard left, and the Washington Post loves them. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that the lieutenant governor was accused by two professional women of rape. Two women. Doesn't matter, apparently. Doesn't matter that the governor apologized for wearing blackface in a Klan outfit, but then later said, I'm not sure that's me. If you ever heard our governor, you'd know he's stupid, stupid, stupid. Anyway, and that the attorney general said, well, okay, I, I did blackface too. I don't know what it is with these Democrats and blackface and so forth, but, but they, apparently there was a period of time where it was the in thing for liberal Democrats to do. Anyway, so here we have two accused of racism and one accused of, a, of rape, twice. Now, you should be able to do okay against them, don't you think, Mr. Producer? But now McAuliffe seeks the endorsement and has the endorsement of all of them. The very three he said should resign. Now he has the endorsement of all of them. And this bothers Wilder because Wilder's an independent man. He thinks for himself. 
He's not a party guy, doesn't hate Republicans, doesn't love only Democrats. He's, he's, he's an independent guy, more liberal than I like, but he's a Democrat. But he's honest. Which is actually uh, refreshing. So it's not like the Democrats are in some great position in this state. McAuliffe also violated what had been in the tradition. We're one of the oldest states in the country, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And the way it works here is you run for one term. If you're elected, that's it. No two terms. So what McAuliffe did, he ran for one term. He won by the skin of his teeth. The skin of his teeth. And then he steps out for four years, and then you say, I want to run again, because it's not a consecutive term. So there he is, violating the traditions of this state, because they don't care about traditions of a state or the Constitution. McAuliffe wants to be governor again. Why? So he can sit there, hours at a, at a time, like he did last time, pardoning one felon after another so they can vote. That's what he was doing. That's his great uh, accomplishment. The other obligation Mr. Youngkin has is to try to help take back the State Assembly and the State Senate. They're both very, very close. You're not going to have coattails if you don't stand for anything. Maybe you'll slip through, you think. But you're not going to have the kind of legislature you need to do anything. So my advice is, whoever's advising you, get rid of them. Step up to the plate. Positive commercials are great. No problem at all. Introducing yourself to this day. We now know who you are from that perspective. But a little bit more substance would be really a good thing. And you can stand firm on several conservative principles by also reaching out to quote-unquote moderates. It's not hard to do. Reagan did it. You ought to learn from Reagan. Not Gerald Ford. Reagan. Well, there's my two cents worth. Let's see if it works. I'll be right back. Lovin. Janice Dean, if you know her from Fox, I don't know her personally. Appears to be a lovely lady. She lost her two... Uh, her father-in-law and her mother-in-law are in-laws. And uh, she's tried to get to the bottom of the truth. She's tried to encourage investigations to what Cuomo did. As you know, we in the Wall Street Journal were the first to report what actually was taking place with Cuomo, thanks to a lovely caller to this program. And I have some, uh, unfortunately, very sad news for you folks, and uh, predictable, unfortunately. Congressman Scalise, way back in March, asked the Department of Justice, and specifically the Civil Rights uh, Division, what are you doing about this? Are you investigating these matters? And he just got a letter back that was posted by Janice Dean. Dear Congressman Scalise, this is the uh, Department of Justice. This response to your letter to the Attorney General, dated March 12, 2021, regarding the response to COVID-19 in nursing facilities in New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and New Jersey. And they're pointing out that they do have the authority through the Civil Rights Division to investigate such matters, uh, to look into a pattern or practice of unlawful conditions in certain residential institutions, including nursing facilities, operated by or on behalf of the state or local governmental entity. 
And they say the Civil Rights Division requested information from New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and New Jersey regarding COVID-19 in nursing facilities run by or for those states. The letter stated that the requested information would assist the department in determining whether to open an investigation. Each state provided information in response to the request. We've reviewed the information provided by these states, all Democrat governors, along with additional information available to the department. And based on that review, we've decided not to open a civil rights division investigation under the Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act of any public nursing home facility, any within New York, Pennsylvania, or Michigan at this time. They just closed it down. Now, justice is not blind in this administration. The media are blind. The media will allow anything to go on. They don't care. More from our Department of Justice, a.k.a. our Department of Injustice. This is from uh, bizpackreview.com. Attorney Joseph McBride, who represents Capitol protester Richard Barnett, was in the news earlier this week. After an interview on CNN, went off the rails when he was mocked by anchor John Avalon. John Avalon is uh, sort of bipolitical. He used to work for Giuliani, now he works for CNN. So he's a political schizophrenic. And, uh, and a loser and a lightweight. He was mocked by anchor John Avalon for alleging that protesters arrested for their roles in the January 6th protest were being tortured. Now, he's a lawyer for one of the detainees. They're detainees, you understand? Like it's Guantanamo Bay. His assessment was a reference to months of solitary confinement. As many of those arrested are being denied bail. Tell me, has John Avalon gone to this jail? Has John Avalon demanded to see what's going on? Demanded to interview the inmates? No, he hasn't done anything. Sits on his fat ass and pontificates through his fat mouth. May I say that with all due respect? And I say it with respect. So his assessment was a reference to months of solitary confinement as many of these, those arrested are being denied bail. But he also said they were being beaten, they were being starved, they're denied medical care, they're being denied the right to worship, they're being cut off from their attorneys. And you know what? Big media, big tech, Democrat Party could care less. Liz Cheney, hasn't asked a single question about any of these, but not one. By the way, did we ever have a commission looking into weapons of mass production, Mr. Producer? I don't think we did, did we? That could affect data, you know. In an appearance Thursday on Newsmax TV's Greg Kelly reports, the lawyer repeated those claims while offering more details in support of the serious allegations. And Kelly began the interview by clarifying a widely held perception that Barnett was photographed sitting at House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's desk, confirming with McBride that he was actually sitting at a staffer's desk. The two also discussed how the lawyer was able to get Barnett freed back in April, while many others languished in jail pretrial six-plus months after the incident. You concerned about this, Liz Cheney? Can somebody tell me, during her time in Congress, what the hell Liz Cheney ever did that was useful, productive? What did she ever... What did she ever do? Here we have this American Marxist movement, 
I've written about it. We've talked about it. We're going to continue to talk about it. What has Liz Cheney done? Oh, the enemy is the Republican Party. I guess when you're raised in Washington, D.C., and you spend all your time in Washington, D.C., there's no getting away from it. No getting away from it. The lawyer says, what I can say about the January 6th protests, or that is protesters who remain incarcerated or detained at this time, is that their constitutional rights and human rights are being violated by the Department of Justice and the federal government at this very moment. He said the law is very clear that no punishment of any kind is appropriate for a detainee. Despite that, numerous detainees are being held in solitary confinement for long periods of time. They're being denied medical care. They're, being, they're taking beatings. They're being denied sleep. They're being psychologically, emotionally, physically tortured on a regular basis. Does the Washington, D.C. bar care about any of this? Do these phony civil libertarian groups care about any of this? No, they don't. It says, I'm alleging that the guards are beating them up. The staff are beating prisoners on a regular basis and have been doing so for a long time. This is no exaggeration. Now, this lawyer is saying this. And, of course, they could yank his law degree, excuse me, his law license, if he's lying. He says, was your client, Richard Barnett, beaten up by staff? Kelly asked. He absolutely was. He was beaten. He was dragged. He was hogtied. One time his pants dropped below his ankles, exposing his private parts while he was taking a beating in front of female office. I mean, there was more attention given to the terrorists at Guantanamo Bay than to these people. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. The media are corrupt. The Biden administration is corrupt. American Marxism is on the march. By the way, those of you who have a copy and you've been reading it, if you like it, why don't you encourage people in your family to read it too or people in your social circle to read it too that's what I mean when I talk about Thomas Paine and the American crisis I'm not Thomas Paine and the book is not the pamphlet the American crisis I never said it was but I'm saying it is the process through which we inform and educate ourselves and I'm hoping the contents of the book has a similar effect in awakening so many people or people who are on the, on the fence, or people who are terribly dispirited. You're going to make the difference. All I can do is write it and talk about it. But you're the ones who have to implement it by getting it out there to as many people as you can. If you have family members, friends, people in your social circle, seriously, now's the time. And here's the great thing. When a book is released early, here's the trick that people don't know. But the publishing industry knows that's when the deepest discounts are. I don't pretend to understand it, but that's why on Amazon.com, as I speak right now, it's 40% off. 40%. So it's under 17 bucks. At Costco, it's 40%. Same or similar discounts at Barnes & Noble and Walmart and Target and so forth. So the time to get a book that is as 
in demand as this book is, is up front and early because you get the biggest discounts. Plus, time is running out. We need as many people jumping in on this movement as possible. And it's a movement now. We're on the move. So let's all participate in this as much as we can. Even tonight, you can go to Amazon.com or tomorrow when you're shopping at Costco, whatever. It's there. It's everywhere. There's been enough printed. I want to tell you about another detainee from the January 6th protests. The title from Reuters, Sarah N. Lynch, is exclusive. QAnon shaman in plea negotiations after mental health diagnosis lawyer. Where are all the Black Lives Matters? Violent rioters. Are they in any kind of plea agreement? Antifa, any of those? Marxist anarchists, are they in any kind of plea agreement? If so, how come we don't know about it? You get my drift? Reuters, the participant in the January 6th U.S. Capitol riots. Now, now there's more than one riot. Nicknamed the QAnon shaman is negotiating a possible deal with prosecutors after prison psychologists found he suffers from a variety of mental illnesses, his attorney said. In an interview, defense lawyer Albert Watkins said the officials at the Bureau, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, or BOP, have diagnosed his client, Jacob Chainsley, with transient schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, and anxiety. The Bureau of Prisons' findings, which have not yet been made public, well, you just did, Reuters, suggest Chainsley's mental condition, listen to this, deteriorated due to the stress of being held in solitary confinement at a jail in Alexandria, Virginia. These people are being held in solitary confinement. What the hell for? What the hell for? What the hell for are they being held in solitary confinement? To break them down mentally, that's why. This is shocking. Alexandria, Virginia. In other words, five, six miles from the nation's capital, people are being held in solitary confinement. We had more jerks in the media, more phony civil libertarian jerks, more jerk commentators on TV defending 9-11 related terrorists, Al-Qaeda, detainees in Guantanamo Bay. Then speak up for what's going on in Alexandria, Virginia. Let's see here. As he spent more time in solitary confinement, the decline in his acuity was noticeable even to untrained eyes, Watkins said in an interview Thursday. He said Chansley's 2006 mental health records from his time in the U.S. Navy show a similar diagnosis to the Bureau of Prisons. Spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office declined to comment on the case. He's one of the most recognizable of hundreds of Donald Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol after the then-president, in a fiery speech, falsely claimed... What is... See, you see what they do to Trump? How about Joe Biden's fiery speeches? Don't they incite violence? How about Black Lives Matter? Doesn't it incite violence? An insurrection? Chansley, you may be familiar with him, of Arizona, was photographed inside the Capitol wearing a horned headdress, shirtless and heavily tattooed. He's a supporter of the QAnon conspiracy theory, 
They cast Trump as a savior. Okay, whatever. Is he a Marxist? No, I don't think he's a Marxist. By the way, this QAnon, I don't know anything about this QAnon. I really don't. I think they hate me. Maybe it was a year ago or so. I was driving from uh, Virginia to New Jersey. And I stop at one of these places. I'm coming, actually coming back to Virginia from New Jersey. And I stop at one of these places. Maybe it was the Joe Biden uh, you know, rest center and, uh, and Tomaine poisoning. I don't know what it was. One of those places. And some guy walks up to me and grabs my arm. I never told you this, Mr. Producer. And says to me, Q. I said, Q? What the hell is What's Q? He said, don't you know about Q? I said, no, I actually don't. Well, you better learn about it. I know who you are. And he walks away. I said, whoa, that was strange. That's my entire inter- interaction with QAnon. I don't even know what QAnon is. Shocking. But we're all part of QAnon now, ladies and gentlemen. We're all white supremacists. We're all racists. We're all reprobates. Of course, of course. But whatever you do, don't call them Marxists. No, no, you can't do that. But they are. No. Can I call everybody a Marxist? No, just Marxists. I'll call them a... No, 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 no. Social activists. Oh. Progressives. Even better. They want to be called progressives. Well, tearing down the greatest country in the face of the earth isn't exactly progressive. But they want to be called progressives. Oh, okay. Now, I have a lawyer state publicly what's going on in this jail. You have a man who obviously had severe psychological problems who was also held in solitary confinement and made them worse. And then you have a clown, half man, half idiot, John Avalon, and others who laugh when this stuff's brought up. They don't want to know anything. Now, when the terrorists were at Guantanamo, you know, this is America. We don't treat people this way. Apparently, we do. Apparently, we do. So rather than giving opinions, why don't the intrepid media go to the damn jail, demand to go in there and see what's going on? Why don't the intrepid media go to the south of the border, demand to see how these little girls are being treated, and then repeat it rather than just give opinions? Why don't the damn media go to the door of the FBI director, the door of the Attorney General of the United States, and ask them to explain? They never will. They're very happy with what's taking place. At least we don't have Trump's tweets, you see. Oh, my God, the tweets. My God! That's the end of the world. No cities are burning. No, that's the tweets. It's the tweets. Now, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, how come you don't speak up against any of this? Have you become a complete reprobate like your buddy Adam Kingsinger? You have these American Marxist movements swirling around. And you're going to war with the Republican Party. Because this is the greatest threat to democracy in, ever. Ever. It was the greatest threat to democracy. Ever. And the Republicans are whitewashing this. And I, I, Liz Cheney, self-righteous, I got to be on this committee. I got to watch. I got to speak. I, I got to speak out about what took place here. An insurrection was not an insurrection. Oh, it was an insurrection. Next thing you know, she'll say there were weapons of mass destruction. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
I haven't mentioned this. We have a fantastic Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll definitely want to hear my monologue. We have uh, Senator Rubio on, who hasn't been on in a very long time. We're going to dig into Marxism and tyranny in Cuba. And also Tom Holman, who was the great acting director of ICE. We're going to take a very close look at what's going on on the border. I think you're going to be very intrigued by this show, if anything else. I'm also going to be on the uh, show with Judge uh, Janine. So you'll want to check that out Saturday night. But folks, again, I just want to encourage you. We have a tremendous start in this movement right now. Tremendous start. Those of you who haven't acquired your copy of American Marxism, this weekend is the perfect time. You can go to Amazon.com or any of these retail stores where you're going to be shopping anyway. I would encourage you to do it. All right, here is America in honor of you.
God bless each and every one of you, folks. Have a wonderful weekend. Please check out Life, Liberty, and Levin Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. I know you're going to love it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. Good night, little Barney. There's so many. And tonight we say good night to Clay. And good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. We're doing everything we can. Trust me. And I hope you folks have a wonderful weekend. You grab your copy of American Marxism. I hope you have an opportunity to read it. God bless you.